Let us pray. O oh Lord, your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Give us grace to receive your truth in faith and love and strength to follow on the path you have set before us. Through Jesus Christ, amen. Today's reading comes from Psalms 85, 3, 85, 8 through 13. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people, to his faithful, to those who turn to him in their hearts. Surely his salvation at his hand for those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in the land. Steadfast love and faithfulness will meet. Righteousness and peace will kiss each other. Faithfulness will spring forth from the ground, and the righteous will look down from the sky. The Lord will give what is good, and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him and will make a path for his steps. The word of the Lord. Our New Testament reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. He left that place and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. On the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astounded. They said, where did this man get all this? What is this wisdom that has been given to him? What deeds of power are being done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James and Josie and Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters here? And they took offense at him. And then Jesus said to them, Prophets are not without honor, except in their hometown, and among their own kin, and in their own house. And he could do no deed of power there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and cured them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. This is the word of the Lord. Be to God. Amen. So preaching is kind of a strange thing sometimes. It's a stream of consciousness of many things that run through the preacher's head. Now, I generally preach from the lectionary, which is a three-year cycle of scriptures. Um, It's helpful in a way because it helps you preach maybe texts that you wouldn't normally preach. Um, Preachers tend to like certain parts, and I would probably preach always from Acts, so that would be kind of boring after a while. So it it forces me into places uh, I normally wouldn't go. It's also the 4th of July. I don't remember the last time uh, 4th of July fell on a Sunday, but it's an important holiday for us as a community, as a country, and and probably for most of us as individuals have very fond memories of 4th of July 
in the past, gatherings of friends and family. Um, it certainly is that for me. Uh, I have very fond memories of the 4th of July in my hometown, Fayetteville, Arkansas. At 1751 Wheeler Street, that house and neighbor, I lived in that house for, uh, until I went off to college. Uh, I was, when I was born, my parents lived there and I grew up in that house. Um, and the neighborhood was really full of children. Lots of, lots of children, lots of children of all ages uh, were in that neighborhood. It, the, the neighborhood was built sometime after the Korean War, so you had a lot of uh, World War II vets and Korean War vets coming into that community uh, using the VA loan process. So it was a fairly new neighborhood in the Fayetteville area and lots and lots of kids. Uh, many of those are still friends of mine. Many, many decades later, we're still friends. We still stay in contact. And the 4th of July was really our community event uh, that we celebrated there in the neighborhood. Uh, it moved from kind of house to house each year uh, who would host it. Uh, but it was a community thing where everybody brought food and fireworks and uh, we had cookouts and we had lots of fun and we played lots of games and, and that sort of thing. Uh, it really, really a fond, fond memory of mine uh, from my past. Uh, so as I was thinking about the 4th of July, as I was working through my, the text as well, uh, many of my friends from that time came to my mind. I mean, there's Hal and Mark and, and Debbie and Kenny and Stephen and little Bill and Sybil, uh, all my old friends, I can see their faces in my mind's eye. Um, those are the names and the faces of my hometown. Now I want you to think about your hometown for a minute. Think of some of those people that you grew up with. And think specifically of someone that you knew and knew well at that time when you were growing up, but, but maybe you've lost contact with them over the years. It could have been the kid next door or down the street or just a friend from that time in your life. Whoever it is, remember them. Think about their face. What did they look like? Think about where they lived and their family and, and maybe times that you visited their home. What was so special about them that after all these years, you can remember their face? You can remember the time that you shared with them. Now imagine that that person you're thinking of was here in the sanctuary with Lib and I this morning when you walked in. He or she has asked to come forward and to teach. And to your surprise, their wisdom and knowledge of the scripture not only astound you, but astound all of us. Now you kind of have this vague memory that maybe you heard some stories from other, your other old friends about this person's exploits. Well, some have said that they've even performed miracles. But you really can't believe all that. I mean, after all, this is your old friend from the neighborhood. The kid you used to play kickball with. You might even laugh and shake your head a bit. Well, they were always such a joker. Maybe this is some kind of joke. But then you look at your friend's face and you realize that this is no joke. They're very serious about their new role as a teacher, a healer. 
So now you're getting a little bit uncomfortable. You're hoping that this crazy display will somehow not reflect poorly on you. How embarrassed you are for your friend because, well, they're obviously out of their mind. You're a little bit offended, actually, that this lowly person, this kid from your neighborhood, has grown up and somehow has such delusion of power and authority. Well, I'm I'm sure you're way ahead of me here, but what I'm trying to get you to do is just get an inkling of what it was like to be in Nazareth that day. We sometimes look down on these people that were around Jesus in his earthly ministry. I mean, if, of course, I was there, I would have recognized Jesus right away for who he was and never doubted him for a moment. But let's not delude ourselves. Don't you see how easy it is to fall into the trap? I mean, these folks, these people from Nazareth, they knew Jesus as a boy. They knew his mama and his pop. They knew his brothers and his sisters. And they would remember the stories of his suspicious birth. And well, you know, there was that time that he ran away. So now they're amazed by his teachings. Jesus was allowed to come forward in the synagogue due to his star power away from home. His ability to heal and teach had preceded him. But now that he's here in this village with the folks from his hometown, they begin to recognize him. They begin to recognize him for who they think he is. Isn't that the carpenter's son? The whisper campaign begins. Our reading today tells us exactly what they were thinking. It says in verse 2, On the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astounded. They said, Where did this man get all this? What is this wisdom that has been given to him? What deeds of power are being done by his hand? Is this not the carpenter? The son of Mary, the brother of James and Josie and Judas and Simon, and are not his sisters with us? And they took offense. They are saying what we might say back in my hometown that fellow's getting a little too big for his britches. Now it's possible that Joseph, Jesus' father, is dead by the time of this story. Jesus is identified here in the scripture as his mother's son, who in the ancient culture, that would have been considered kind of an insult to reference him that way. And it also may be a reference, too, to his suspicious birth in his hometown. And remember also in this culture that Joseph was a carpenter. I mean, again, scripture tells us that. So Jesus would have been uh, suspected to be a carpenter in his life. Uh, That position uh, as a carpenter would not have brought to his neighbor's mind a great teacher or philosopher and certainly not the warrior king that the Jews were looking for. After all, a, a mere woodworker, while important to the local economy, was not expected to save the world. This surely was not the Messiah that they had been looking for. I mean, where was his army? Where were the grand palaces? That's the incarnate God that the people of Nazareth were looking for. But I think their questioning says more about their faith 
than about their collective memory of the carpenter's son. Just like the Nazarenes, we sometimes refuse to see God at work in someone else's life because we don't like what God's presence is doing. We don't see in someone else what God sees, what that might mean for us, what that might mean for our relationship with that person. We can get offended or put off because God has been incarnate in a person that we don't maybe even like or a person not of our social class or our political ideology or even our skin color. Or maybe we just don't, maybe we just know that person too well. And surely God could not work in that person if God only knew what I knew about him. The people of Nazareth could not allow themselves to see God in their neighbor that they knew so well, the carpenter's son. It offended them that the great almighty God could come in such a humble form, just a simple man. In their minds, this is not the way God spoke and appeared. God spoke in wind and fire and flames and great warriors like King David, but not in this form, a lowly village workman. How quick we sometimes decide how God is to act and behave. We're so quick to, seize, to size each other up and jockey for dominance with one another that we usually miss the best qualities of one another. You know, that old saying, never judge a book by its cover, applies. Never judge a person by their outward appearance or what you think you may know about them or what they may have to offer. So here's a little secret for life. The very person that you turn your back on or reject may have a message from God to share with you. Let's not limit how and when we see God working in the world. I mean, if you haven't experienced or seen it for yourself by now, the Holy Spirit works in some amazing and mind-bending, time-altering ways. The Holy Spirit is alive here in this place in this very room, at this very moment. The Bible says so. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among you. But the Spirit of God is not contained here and limited just to this location, meaning that God is all around us all the time, not just on Sundays. God speaks, God works, God is present all day, every day, in every place in the world. The people of Nazareth cut off the voice of God because their minds would not allow it in. And the consequences to that were a diminished faith. Now, nothing on earth has the ability to impede God's power. But scripture does tell us that when Jesus is rejected, faith is weakened. In chapter 6, verse 5, it said, And he could do no deed of power there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and cured them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. And then he went about among the villages teaching. Now I want to close today with you a story I recently read about a good and faithful Christian who worked as a clerk in a, in a bookstore in a large city. Uh, one day when she came to work, her boss met her at the door and said, there's someone here waiting for you. And so she followed her boss back into the stacks of books and she found a man waiting there and she looked at him and she was somewhat surprised she didn't recognize him in the, in the first place 
And also the man was an ascetic Jew, uh, meaning, you know, he had the hat and the ponytails, the long beard and the, and the wool coat. Um, and, and she had no idea who this man was. And so she, all she could think of to say was, how can I help you? Uh, and the man said, I want to know about Jesus. So she said, okay, follow me. And so she went through the bookstore and found the, the religious uh, section where there were uh, some books on Christianity. And she said, well, well, here you are. Here are the books. And the man looked a, a bit confused, and he paused for a moment, seemed to be kind of putting his words together, and he said, no, I don't think you understand. I don't want to read any more books about Jesus. I've done that. I want you to tell me about Jesus. You see, the other clerks here in the store have told me that you are a Christian. So tell me, why do you believe in Christ? And why do you believe that Christ is the Son of God? And so the story goes that she kind of trembled a little bit and, and her heart maybe fluttered. She stumbled around for her words, but then she hit her stride and she told him her story. She told him about what Christ meant to her and how her life had been transformed and her faith had been renewed in the risen Christ. Now for me, the moral of that story and the lesson of our gospel reading today is for us to always be ready to meet the risen Christ and to share that experience with others. To be prepared to encounter Christ in the least likely people in the least likely places in the world. And to tell that story, what Christ has done for us and is doing in our lives. Being ready for those encounters with the living Christ may be one of the most important things that we do on our faith journey. But you have to prepare yourself for that. You have to be ready for those encounters. You have to spend time with the Lord in your own personal life to be ready. You have to spend time in study of scripture, of praying together, and being in a Christian fellowship and community together. This world you're building is either built on Christ and your faith in Christ, or it is built in sand and will not stand up. Where is your life centered? Is your life centered on yourself, on your own work, in your own way, or on Christ? Talking about or hearing someone else talk about God outside of church sometimes makes us a little nervous and anxious. We don't want to seem overbearing if we're doing the talking. and we, we want to try to be tolerant of others' view. Uh, we sometimes just want to talk about anything. I mean, anything other than our faith, our own relationship with God. But the biblical story of Jesus in his hometown reminds us that we are called to listen for God who is at work in others and then to tell that story of God's activity to the world. Don't stand silent and don't close your ears to others because we are called to live in a community, to live in a community with one another and with God. God did not create us for isolation. God created us for community with God in the world. And if you think that your community is confined to the walls of Mount Pleasant Presbyterian Church or confined to the city limits of Mount Pleasant, that is your first mistake. Our calling as Christ followers is to go and spread the good news about what Christ has done and what Christ is doing. It is not to get people on our side or to follow our brand of geopolitical religion but simply to tell others about God to who, 
who has come to us and what God means to us in our life. This is an activity that is performed not out of competition, anxiety, or fear, but out of love. Love for God, love for God's creation, and love for the other person, the stranger. We are not called to be eloquent speakers, learned teachers, or pious worshipers. We are called to simply be messengers. We don't have to have those polished words or sophisticated theology or a fine-tuned understanding of how the church works to speak our faith. We are simply called to speak and hear the truth in love, to listen and be inspired by the work of Christ in our midst and share that message in our own humble words and never be ashamed of it. To be faithful in our daily life with and through our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus, who meets us in some wonderful and strange places, even sometimes through our old friends in our hometown. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs>